Lingard is joining in, and he's seen Martinelli! Extraordinary! Set it for Saliba! For Kyle Saka, beaten out by the roof, and touched in by Jesus! Kyle Saka! Hello and welcome back to the Bruise Banana FC podcast. My name is Justin. You can find me on Twitter at JFishAFC. And the Arsenal are back after an almost emphatic 2-1 win over Nottingham Forest on a sunny Saturday in North London. With me to talk about all of the good and some of the bad is Luke. You can find on Twitter at Eccleskoon. Hello, Luke. Hello. Almost emphatic is a really good superlative. I mean, that sounds, you know, anytime Arsenal have a two-goal win or two-goal lead, it's going to be an almost emphatic day or a pretty depressing day, I guess, depends on what season you're in. And also, we have Ben, who you can find on Twitter at BenBrowning3. Ben, how's it going, buddy? Yeah, it felt a lot less emphatic at about 85 minutes, I'll be honest. Um, it felt a little more nervy when they, well, well I'm sure we'll talk about it, but we we sort of lost control towards the end, but um, I like almost emphatic, an almost emphatic way to start the season. So much, so much scope, so much grey area there. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I think this is a great match to kind of dig into what your your personality is. Are you a glass half full, glass half empty kind of person? What which do you cling on to the first sixty minutes or the last fifteen minutes more in terms of how you know you feel about this match? But first question for you guys, Luke, either one of you, you know, how does it feel to be back for a new season? Last season, you know, we had this crazy preseason. We had all this expectation that we were going to finish top four. We had all these, you know, brand new crazy signings in Gabriel Jesus. That, you know, we had this our new talisman center forward and, you know, we started off super, super hot. The expectations are a little bit different this season that you know, the expectations that we're going to be in the title challenge, a lot of people myself included, predicted us to win the title. So it feels a little bit different. It's a little bit more nervous energy, but excitement because we know this team is really fucking good. Nervous energy is a really good way to put it, I think, because as you say, expectations have changed. We're not going into this season thinking we're going to be fighting for the top four. We're thinking that we've got to go up against Manchester City and we're hoping we're going to do a better job than we did last season. And also, there's the mystery that comes with the fact that we're not really sure how this team's going to play just yet, which is something that is be really exciting to watch over the next like four or five weeks just to see like if kind of different things pop up that, that reoccur and, and just watching how the team plays. You've got people like Havertz. We don't really know who Havertz is going to play. Um, You've got, obviously, Declan Rice. Like, Declan Rice was playing, I think, a really kind of, like, unique role yesterday, which I think is really, really cool. Um, but how often is he going to play with Party? Do you know what I mean? Like, um, is Party going to continue doing the whole right-back thing? I just think there's so many questions. And, obviously, then you've still got the, the Ramsdor versus Rare question. So, the fact there's so many unanswered questions and so much that is yet to be discovered makes it like probably the most exciting season I've experienced going into Arsenal for a very, very long time. And I can't wait for it, to be fair. Do you, does, does that excite you or does it like, do, is there any sort of like concern there that maybe dread? we haven't found fear the best? Well, no, not so much dread. I mean, it's more just because we know every point is so important that if yeah. we try and like, you know, uh, you know, we, we put party at right back, and we put Havertz at number nine, and it doesn't work. Or you know, we decide we want to play. I don't know Zinchenko as a 
roaming left back who also inverts? Like, is there fear that if we get it wrong, um, you know, there's more downsides than potential upside? I know we're talking about how flexible we are, but like a lot of title winning teams tend to be pretty rigid and very good in their rigidity. City is the reason for that, isn't it? Because they create those mega fine margins. And I, I watched a YouTube video of um, someone kind of summarising the match, not an Arsenal fan. I'm not sure exactly they support. But he was talking about how that result against Arsenal Forest was a huge three points for Arsenal because Manchester City won against Burnley. And I was thinking, this first game of the season, <laughs> we've got 37 games left. And City are so good that any time you drop points, you almost think that could be it. So yeah, right, I do. Exactly. I do think yeah, the nervous energy does come in because you know we're we're playing against I think what I'd call the best Premier League team of all time, and uh, there's certain um, expectations that you have to meet if you even want to kind of dance with them. Do you not think though that kind of the floor of you know the performances that this team could realistically have is pretty high and higher than it was last season because of the additions that we have. And so, yes, we may tinker with the lineups and things like that, but we do have players like Saka and Martinelli and, and Odegaard who have such a consistency of performance that even if you know they're on a bad day, we, we still are likely to score multiple goals and, and kind of have a little bit of a cushion because it seems like some of the tinkering that we may do is doesn't necessarily come in the attacking area. It's more defensive, and, and the likelihood is that we're still going to be able to score goals. Yeah, because we've we've got past that mental block now, I think, of, of knowing what we have to do to be really, really good, if that makes sense. In the same sense that when you get in the gym, if you lift a, like a, a PB, then you know in your head you can reach that now so you can kind of you can work to to do that more consistently and then get past it I think you have to you have to do something before you know you can do it if that makes any sense at all so I think that because we played such high level last season and we know how to do that we know the things to do we've learned the lessons from it then that we can take into now this season we know what we have to do to to play as good as a team that's going to compete for the Premier League title of City we just have to try and extend that and somehow go beyond that which is going to be the really really tough thing yeah I think kind of what you just said we'll talk about him later with Bukayo Saka but after he scored his goal yesterday we were talking in our group chat and just about how it seems like some you know a a flip or a flip was switched or switch was flipped whatever it's early (laughs) and um now you know he he has that confidence that he you know he he'll rip it from distance and even if you know, a season and a half or two seasons ago, he was still taking up similar positions. He wasn't necessarily scoring those type of long distance goals as regularly as he is now. And that's going to be a, a significant part of his goal scoring output. I predict this season is those very stereotypical iron Robin goals cutting in from on his left foot outside of the box curler like that, where it's just completely unsavable and, that's kind of a little microcosm of everything that you know, you're just talking about, Luke, that we have a confidence that Martin Odegaard knows he can score 15 goals. And, and But with that obviously comes the expectation that if Odegaard only has eight goals this season, that pressure may be on him a little bit. And so it is a little bit of a double-edged sword. But before we get off on a bigger tangent, Ben, let's talk about the lineup. Because as we're talking about, you know, this flexibility and tinkering, our, our – Mikel Arteta kind of went 
almost a little galaxy brain on us with a lineup that we have never seen before for the first time ever. He did not pick Gabrielle when he was fit. Somebody who started and played in, I believe, every single game in all competitions almost, but at least at a minimum, all 38 Premier League games last season. What do you kind of make of, first of all, just that bringing out a new formation that we haven't seen it all in preseason before we kind of get into whether or not that worked. I think it was, um, I mean, I think, I think Gabriel is probably the weakest of our back four in terms of sort of first phase buildup. So I wasn't surprised in that regard, but I was a bit surprised that it was, you know, we shuffled Ben White in and we didn't in the end, but on the team sheet, it looked like we shuffled Ben White inwards and the, um, you know, Timber was a left back. It felt like the left-footed balance had almost gone a bit. Um, you know, when when Gabriel doesn't start, typically you expect Kivior to play because that's who we signed as ostensibly the Gabriel backup. So I think I was a bit surprised by that. And there was a lot of speculation on social media before the game about whether Party was going to play in midfield or whether he was going to play at right back. And in the end, he sort of did a bit of both. And Ben White played a sort of overlapping centre-back role. Um, so it worked and you know we controlled the game for the most part and it was nice as as Luke said it was nice to see that we've got another string to our bow but I think seeing key players dropped or not dropped rotated out because we're taking it on a game by game basis is something that we're going to have to get used to and that they're going to have to get used to like we might we'll probably see Saliba and Erdegaard start most games because they're the most sort of uh, versatile and they're the most important figures in our side but around that you might see party play with rice you might see rice play with um Havertz. you might see trossard chucked in there you might see smith Rowe, Vieira. we have so much more depth in our squad that it feels like it was a a good thing that gabriel could be dropped and there wasn't a sort of oh my god we're gonna lose the game um like there would have been a couple of years ago yeah and what Mikel Arteta has been talking about all preseason is you know, wanting to be more unpredictable and having different styles of play. And I, I think it's pretty clear that depending on the opposition, we're going to present a, a different problem for the opposition to solve. And so it won't be as simple as last season, whereas, you know, every team, regardless of quality, could hit it long in, into the left back channel and kind of exploit that. But that won't necessarily be the case. Yes, obviously that was kind of the problem with this match and where one of their goal or their goal came from uh, uh, exploiting, you know, the, the channel and the right back at least. But I, I do kind of, I, I did like it, I guess, because, you know, in my mind, when you're playing against a low block team and, and against Forrest, we had what, like 85% possession, at least in the first half, it was like 87% possession that, bringing on more players that have an impact in the final third, obviously will have a greater net impact on the overall game. And if you don't have the center back or defender quality to defend the 13% possession that the opposition has, then you're kind of, no matter what you do, you're going to be in a bad place. And we, we definitely do have the defending quality and and that's why we spent an insane amount of money on our fullbacks and center backs is to, be able to play the way that we did and have Ben White, who was, you know, on the team sheet was a center back making overlapping runs and having one of our sixes basically play as a center back 
kind of fill in at the time. And we're getting to the level where I, I think you kind of hit on it a little bit, Ben, that there's going to be growing pains for Arteta, I think, figuring out what, hmm. who, who are the linchpins? You, you mentioned Saliba and, Sa- and Odegaard, and we could probably throw in Saka there. There's going to be somebody else. We, we kind of, last season we saw was Zinchenko, but I think with the Timber signing, that kind of alleviates that a little bit. But there's going to be somebody else where, for some reason, it just doesn't work without them. And But I think the fans, we also are going to go through growing pains that we're not used to this either. We're on this podcast now. Did Arteta Galaxy brain it on match day one of the season when I think we kind of, I guess, going back to what we talked about earlier, we have that nervous energy and we're so stressed that we don't want to lose the title or drop points early on just because of a little bit of tinkering. And it's hard to have that long-term approach of, Let's settle in and remember what City did, that City were behind by eight or ten points in February, and then they they turned it on and they found, you know, their their new tactical formation and system that's you know, they had growing pains trying to incorporate. Erling Holland, it doesn't look like we're gonna have as significant growing pains incorporating any of our signings, but they will be there. Luke, what do you think about kind of the advantages of taking off a defender and kind of allowing how, you know, I, th- I think one of the things in preseason was that Thomas Party and Declan Rice worked really, really well in midfield together, something that we kind of expected it would be one or the other. And I think a lot of this formation and the way that we play kind of stemmed from that partnership developing pretty early on and working really well and kind of trying to figure out the rest of the back line and, and that group of five kind of around that as a focal point. For sure. And as you say, there will be teething issues because it's different and it takes time to work out what you need to do to do things at this level. It's one thing doing it in pre-season training pitch and it's one thing doing it in... And know, the MLS the most... All-Stars are really good, okay? <laughs> well, you know, I'm not here to knock um, <laughs> a group of professional footballers throwing together for one match, but I'm guessing that <laughs> that uh, the Premier Managed League might by be Wayne Rooney. Bit... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think one of the main things is you have to ask different questions. You can't do the same thing over and over again and expect it to continually keep on working because the more, especially in leagues as competitive as the Premier League with the best managers and the best players in the world, if you keep asking the same questions, then eventually someone comes up with an answer for something and then every, like the entirety of the league now knows the answer to it. And you keep kind of doing the same things and eventually more answers show. And I think a lot of managers that are successful kind of, you see their sell by date quite quickly when they're not able to kind of pivot to other things. So I think one of the main things Arteta is doing now is, you know, he's retaining a lot of the philosophy of last season, a lot of what did make it successful, but he's also trying to incorporate something new. And I think, you know, you take out Xhaka for Havertz, which is a, a like a, a big attacking change because Havertz looks like he's playing a much more orthodox, like high up 10 position. And then you've got almost a number nine points as well. Wasn't yeah. It? Yeah. Always, that's it. So, um, uh, and then you've got Rice behind him, who, if anything, is playing a much more Xhaka escrow with with Party kind of inverting himself to to allow him the freedom to kind of move where he needs to move. And I always found very recently Zinchenko had that clip where he's talking to Ro Fernand and he's talking about how he inverts and he's saying, you know, if if I come in central midfield and the winger follows me, then that's taken away the ability for someone to double up on Martinelli on the wing, and then Martinelli can kill you. But if you do follow, if you uh, if you don't follow me, then I'm I'm a free man in midfields. 
you know, you get a lot of two-man midfields, you get a lot of three-man midfields. Not many people have four-man midfields all in that central area. So when Zinchenko does go into the area, or Thomas Partey, um, in terms of, of yesterday, then you've got a midfield superiority in, in an area of the pitch where, where you can kind of really, really create some great, great chances. So I think that um, the interesting thing would be, like as I saw, yes, uh, saw yesterday, Thomas Partey playing as the right back, but as Ben was saying, inverting into centre midfield. And when he did invert or on the ball, Declan Rice was kind of moving up a bit further, a bit more onto the left-hand side, like we saw Xhaka do. But at the same time, Danilo was having to follow Partey into the middle of the pitch because you can't just leave a, a body there or he's going to pick out passes and, and destroy it. And, and because of that, um, we were able to kind of pin back their back five because you had Ola Aina had to really tie himself to Saka. And then um, the the back three almost kind of had to give up a man just to go deal with him. So I think that, you know, in, in terms of superiority, um, it worked really well. I just think um, we almost were doing too well and just tied coasting by the second half. And and we know that how that nearly ended. Yeah, Ben, I want to talk a little bit about... Havertz in, in his performance because I definitely saw a lot of mixed reactions online and I definitely I don't think it was you know anything incredible but I think he did the jobs that he was supposed to do and when you're playing alongside Martin Odegaard who is so ball dominant and is the the focal point of our you know, offensive output especially with his partnership and connection with Bukayo Saka like there's not that much of a creative burden on Kai Havertz kind of interested to see, you know, kind of if, if you thought that it was all right from him and, and I thought defensively, he was really, really good. Something that kind of was a little bit of a concern. Yes. We didn't really have to defend in a, a mid block much, but counter pressing, he was really good. And I thought from our whole team, our counter pressing was really good, but yeah, let's talk a little bit about Kai Havertz specifically. Yeah. I, um, I actually don't think we gave him the ball enough. I thought that he was really tidy, but often like, I mean, I don't know whether it's going, whether it's intentional, but I thought it was often bypassed in our build up. Um, I thought what was also really interesting was how much he, as, as as Luke sort of said, he was playing as much more of a orthodox ten or a sometimes a nine, and the amount of times that we'd work the ball wide, and you'd look up and it would be Havertz sort of in a cluster of two or three players at the back post. And all of a sudden, those crosses towards the back post have so much more potency because Havertz is quite good in the air. So it's going to be a case of growing pains for everybody because Arsenal have worked so hard on their their shape and their build up that it's a bit un un what we've seen from Arsenal last season to just whip it into the box. But we now actually have a focal point in the box, and it's clear that that's something that we're looking to do because. Havertz is always there. I mean, if you look at the Eddie and Ketia goal, for instance, he's at the far post from uh, from where Martinelli's out wide. Havertz is at the back post waiting. Um, he's wide and, open you know, too. <laughs> yeah, he is. But obviously, Nketiah has half a second and he's got his head yeah, down. Yeah. He's going to shoot. He's a striker. But yeah, the, the, Havertz was regularly taking up those positions where it was sort of like two, three yards out for a tap-in if we can work it to him. And I think that, as you say, he counter-pressed really well. I really enjoyed that aspect. And I think that if we gave him the ball more, I thought what he actually did with the ball was very, very clean and tidy. It's just that we aren't used to having somebody take up those positions. And because we had an extra man in the build-up with Declan Rice um, and we dominated the ball, it felt like it was quite difficult to get him the ball because he's sort of a... 
I suppose he's kind of like Fabio Vieira and he's a final action kind of player, but he's also very clean when he's just involved in build up. Um, so I think that he, I thought it was really encouraging. I think obviously it's a new, new season, new system. He's getting used to it. Arsenal are getting used to it, but I really liked what I saw. And I think that there is quite clearly a plan that can work for him, whether it will work in bigger games or whether we'll see him play instead of Enketia is another matter. But, you know, against these sorts of sides, he, I think, can be really, really influential. Yeah, and I think that having him and Odegaard together, kind of, it helps both of them with, no matter what they do. Because clearly with Grant Xhaka and Odegaard, yeah, you know, opposing defenses could just key in on shutting down the Odegaard to Bukayo Saka link in kind of just crowding out Odegaard. And that definitely had a significant impact in limiting our ability to create much you know, significant threat and having a much more attacking eight, basically another 10 in there means that defenses, they have to respect Kai Havertz as a creative and he goal keeps scoring people honest, play. doesn't he? Exactly. So he frees up space for Odegaard just by simply being there. Some of you know his runs, and I'm sure there'll be a game where the opposing defense tries to crowd crowd out Odegaard, and then Havertz shines and he plays you know on the ball significantly more and is kind of has like you said, Ben. We give him the ball more because he just naturally will have more space, and then kind of from there it, it kind of. I get it. it continues to be exponentially better now that you have both two tens that kind of he'll, he'll never be as good as Odegaard on the ball, but you know, kind of similar profiles, if that makes sense. So felt, I, I definitely think that it, that's great. Yeah, it felt like he was lacking a bit of confidence as well. I don't know whether you guys felt the same, but sort of. The... Yeah, it just seems like his personality hasn't come out yet. And yeah, he's not. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think expressing that'll, himself. that'll come out throughout the season when he realizes that, you know, the unit that he's got behind him is, well, made up of absolute units so that we win the ball back pretty quickly. <laughs> it's not it's not a costly uh, giveaway. He's there to try and create and try and pull off sort of the, the spectacular in many ways. But I think that he was very safe with the ball, which is fine. You know, it's nothing to knock him with. It just meant that maybe there are situations we could have exploited that we didn't necessarily. Um, and I think you know, with time and with confidence and with understanding where the everyone else is in the side and in his new role, I think that that will get better. But if that was a, if there was a minor criticism I had of him, it was maybe that he was a bit safe on occasion um, when he could have maybe been a bit more expansive or maybe even run with the ball a bit more. I think we're still working out his role as well, to be honest. Yeah, if you look yeah, at the, the big difference between this season and last season does feel like, or the biggest difference does feel like it is that role, isn't it? It's that we've we've kind of opted to go for a midfielder that's given a lot more attacking license to get him a lot closer to to the striker and when you sign a new player that hasn't really played that role and the team is still trying to work out the role because say like Thomas Partey played a role you know akin to what Zinchenko played last season he can watch some videos on that like he can talk to the coaches he can talk to Zinchenko um Declan Rice um played a role which I think gave him quite a lot of freedom to be honest like because he wasn't really tied to just being defensive midfield, he knew that he could come back and defend when he needed to. But at the same time, when when we had the ball and Thomas Potty came in, he could go up. I do think that you know we're still trying to work out a way and how we can incorporate that extra number ten to give us that kind of extra attacking impetus. Because at the end of the day, you know, 
if you want to beat Man City, you probably do have to look at trying to score 100 goals. And and to do that, you have to go more attacking rather than more defensive a lot of the time. So I do think that, you know, as we said earlier, team issues. But as time goes on and the team gel and Hazard, and um, Havertz gels to the team and we work out exactly what we want him to do, then I think that he'll just continue, continue improving. Yeah, he's also basically trying to learn two positions. He's he's learning this new 10, and also, like in the Community Shield, he was playing as our false nine in this match for this, basically most of the second half once Trossard came in, he was playing as our nine. And so he's just you know, not able to be you know training that, that just as that attacking eight exclusively and spending all of his energy learning that. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not worried at all. But another player that I'm definitely not worried about is Declan Rice. Luke, what would you make of his performance? Because I thought it was pretty much everything that we expected to see from Declan Rice in terms of his ball recovery ability. And we predicted this, that when Arsenal are obviously going to be playing such a high line, and and like in this match, we had 87% possession. It felt like the entire first half, we were just in Forrest's final third. And having Declan Rice's ability to win the ball back and just regain possession meant that we were able to continually keep on the pressure because basically he was a, every time Forrest had the ball, you could tell they were extremely frustrated because no matter, you know, whenever they got the ball, they had no time to get an outlet because he was just there immediately to win the ball back. Yeah. I thought he oozes authority, doesn't he? He like, he almost kind of steps on that pitch and you, you, you can see the way he plays. He has no fear. He has complete confidence in his own ability. But at the same time, in the way he talks, you, you see how humble and grounded he is to learn and improve. I think that, wow, this this is such an incredible signing for us because, you know, as I said before, this is a player that is so dynamic and, you know, there's stuff he can work on, there's stuff that he hasn't um, got in his locker just yet. But I just think that, you know, like you were saying, like, how he wins the ball in transition, how he can carry the ball up the pitch. And obviously we didn't see that much against Forrest because, as you say, we had an incredible amount of possession and they were kind of limiting themselves to, to counter-attacks. And when you kind of sit in, in that deep block, there's not going to be a lot of space to, to carry the ball through. But I can't wait to, to see him in the big games. If, if we were to play that system in big games and we could we can be solid enough that when we win the ball, that we can kind of use his ability to carry the ball through the thirds, then he's going to be such a menace. And we were so close to a, a Declan Rice debut goal as well from, um, I think what Mantone just just about turned it onto the post. God, that would have been amazing. And it just feels like he's already like, he's, it feels like he's been here for years. I, I felt similar to when Ramsdale started. When Ramsdale came into the team, it felt to me like he was almost had that aura of, of a Hale End Academy player because it just felt like he got the club from the start. And I feel the same of Rice and like even the, you know, the the stuff that doesn't really matter, but you still love to see like the, the clip of him singing North London forever before the game. It just, it makes you feel like he like is enjoying being here as much as, as we are enjoying the fact that he is here. So yeah, I, I think he, he gave a, a good performance that, as I say, oozed authority and I expect him to, to continue just, just, I, I think he's going to be one of the best midfielders in the Premier League this season, and and uh, I think he's going to be a real huge element in in whatever success we have. I think what I like most about him is that he just sort of he oozes authority and he demands the ball. 
always like he's ordering people he'll around it. as well. Yeah, he'll demand yeah. it two yards off his centre back, and he'll turn. He'll, he might only play a five yard pass, but he's always demanding to be on the ball, and that sort of gives you real control vibes. You know, he's able to just sort of, as Luke says, there's plenty he can work on. He's not, he's allegedly not fully, fully fit yet, which is a scary thought. And um, you know, he's still learning his new hybrid role at Arsenal, and it might change. Blah blah blah, but. He's just the the fundamentals of him always wanting the ball, always telling his teammates where to be. And he's been here, what, a month maybe. Um, It's just so exciting because we have historically had a lot of players in recent years that will hide from the ball. But And when things are going badly, you know, heads will go down. And it just feels like he's the complete opposite to that. It feels like in in times of adversity, he'll step up and, you know, you've got to respect him for that. And he's, he's real captain material, isn't he? in the future and we have several of them now yeah i definitely think that his kind of what we were just talking about kai havertz how his personality hasn't really started to come out yet that it's the exact opposite with declan rice there's a couple moments where he was you know order showing where william saliva should be and where to pass the ball and stuff like that and it's like you know everybody it's clear that everybody respects and listens to him like you guys just said like his authority on the ball it's, it's shining already, and yeah, he's been here a month. It's his first competitive Premier League match with us, and just as our you know our team has a lot of we've said it a couple of times, growing pains with the system, and he's barely settled in. And we've seen how it takes a long time for some midfielders and some players that play at six for the Arteta system. It takes a long time to learn, but it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case for him. Luke, let's talk briefly about the second half and kind of what happened. Do you think, you know, obviously their goal came off of a, a counterattack and I guess in one sense, do you think it's just as simple as they brought on some fresh legs and were extremely direct and kind of, we were bitten by fresh legs basically, or is it a little bit more kind of what was happening last year with second halves, a, a you know, I don't think we were as loose on the ball as we kind of saw last year. We were kind of digging around a little bit and trying to be too cute. It just kind of felt like we switched off mentally and were not ready for you know, new players to come on. And, and we kind of, it, it felt like a little bit, we thought forced to kind of give it up as well. And we're okay with to settle with a two nil victory gentleman's agreement kind of thing. And <laughs> that was cl- clearly not the case and kind of, caught us off guard a little bit Uh, I think if I'm being honest I think it was more a case of because I mean at the end of the day when you're up against a decent team and I think Forest are a decent team you can't defend them completely for 90 minutes they're going to have even if it's fleeting and even if it's only one or two they're going to have chances that that is Premier League football Um, the same as when I watched the Burnley versus City game um, on Friday you know Burnley had chances they didn't put them away but they had chances so I think the main problem was we didn't kill the game where, as you said, like we thought maybe they've given up the ghost, but you know, at two nil, the game isn't over and, and they were able to stay in the game. And part of the reason they were able to stay in the game is because we took our foot off the gas. And I think that we lost concentration a little bit. We, I mean, I, I say that Arteta always kind of says about the, the, you know, when you tune it up, you kill them with pass and you make like a thousand passes in, in their half and your own half. But I do think that there always has to be a purpose to that. And it did feel like for the majority of the second half, we were waiting for them to be desperate enough to commit. 
and we were hoping we we're just going to kind of pick them off at that point. But then when they were desperate enough to commit was when they scored. <laughs> and I think that was uh, the main thing is that we should have taken more initiative to go for that third. And I think we could have gone for that third if we wanted to. I think we were playing well enough in the day. Um, uh, they weren't as solid defensively as as um, as I think we saw at the end, tail end of last season. And, and we probably could have made subs a bit earlier. Because as you say, when their fresh legs came on, it did look like they took us a bit by surprise. You know, it's it's not a secret that last season we struggled to keep clean sheets at home. So I think that is one of the massive things we have to change this season. You know, we've we've not done well or well enough in the first test, but I do think that, you know, hopefully that is just a wake up call and then we go into our next home game and, and we kind of stay switched on for the full ninety minutes. Ben, do you think it's an overreaction to say that Mikel Arteta needs to improve on making subs a little bit more proactively and not reactionary and not, you know, when we're 2-0 up in a match, changing out some of our wide players to put on fresh legs that can kind of help limit our ability to be caught in transition and kind of the situation that happened where it seemed like, you know, Bukayo Saka just wasn't switched on defensively and that happens sometimes, I guess. And obviously he's a player that you want, you know, he, he, I thought he played very, very well, but wasn't great defensively in that moment. And that's kind of where you want your manager, not necessarily to take Bukayo Saka off, but to make some sort of sub to bring on some fresh legs to, to kind of get a little bit of intensity back and, not necessarily just wait for the opposition manager to make their subs first. Yeah, well, Arteta's always had the, well, recently had the criticism of sort of, um, you know, not being proactive enough with his substitutions. And I think think he's getting better at it, but it just, I'm not sure that we can really put this one down to that. I think that there was very little indication that Forrest were a threat. before they score their counter-attack and I don't know I, I think that it felt it felt like we were so in control of that game that it not, nothing was going to happen like that and then it suddenly just sort of snowballed into a oh we haven't scored enough to give ourselves a big enough margin of error you know if we concede another shot we might you know draw the game or whatever um I think the the 11 that were out there are more than good enough to do the job. I mean, we we could maybe have seen a change of system like we did when Gabriel came on. Um, But at the same time, I think we were so dominant in sort of keeping Forrest Penn back in their own half that it seemed unnecessary to sort of cede that dominance to bring on another defender and sort of just say, okay, cool, we're happy with 2-0. And maybe maybe sometimes we do have to just say, cool, we're happy with 2-0. But at the same time, if they scored when we said that, that would look even worse and you know we'd be saying why did Mikel Arteta change the system or why did he do this so I think hindsight's great but I don't think that this is one where we can say this player should have come on now and uh, this that and the other personally yeah I definitely think I, I tend to agree especially with everything that Mikel Arteta says about wanting to kill the game off with possession that like you said seeding picking away somebody who can control possession for just an out and out defender unnecessarily when you're two nil up. That is not really how Mikel Arteta wants uh, Arsenal to play. 
kind of on the back foot like that. And so maybe in a bigger game, we'll see something like that, but you kind of, I, I definitely agree with what you said that the 11, the 11 that were out there were more than good enough to even at two, one to see off the game. And that's what happened. Luke last person that I want to talk about specifically is Gabriel Martinelli. I thought that he was to say vintage Martinelli. It kind of sounds weird, but back, you know, he's the player that I think we all jumps off the screen, obviously because of how direct and how intense he is. I want to talk first, before we talk about the action that led to the goal, I want to talk about his defensive ability because I thought that kind of, yes, we, we were outstanding offensively to this match, but kind of with Declan Rice and Kai Havers, we talked a lot about the counter pressing and I thought Martinelli was outstanding that, just like Declan Rice winning the ball back high up the pitch that there's countless times where he was the one that was running, tracking back, winning the ball back after five, 10 yards kind of thing where you just saw this player running back. And and there's a a couple of times where I wasn't sure if it was Declan Rice or Gabriel Martinelli, because you don't really expect that from your wingers. And yeah, I, I thought he was outstanding against Forrest. Yeah, someone lit a fire under him, for sure. <laughs> I think that he wasn't bad in the community shield by any stretch, but I do think that we struggled to unlock him. And I think, to a similar extent, he, he struggled to unlock himself because he is that chaos in a bottle. He is that that kind of that player that that does things... Like he has no doubt, he just he makes a decision and, and he does it. And, and he's so brave in the way he plays. And I just think that when he started to lose that, maybe at the tail end of the last season when he was his legs were getting a bit heavy and stuff, but you know, if you wanted to see that Martinelli, then it was a brilliant performance yesterday because most ball recoveries in the game, you know, as you say, we'll talk about the assist coming up, but um I just think that when you have a, a team like ours, which is in a lot of ways quite regimented and and obviously organised in the sense that everyone seems like has to be in, in the right position at the right times and that unlocks the freedom. I think sometimes you just need that, as I say, that chaos. You need someone that's going to be able to get the ball, knock it past someone and then run at like crazy speed just to get past them. Like similar to what we were saying earlier, like about habits, uh, keeping people honest. Um, Martinelli keeps people honest because they know every time he gets the ball, he's going to try and do something positive. And that means that people have to be marking him. They have to be on him. And that creates space for other people. So I think that, you know, this is a player that I think he, he drew for the the most goals from a Brazilian in the Premier League history in one season with, with Firmino of 15 Would last season. If he wasn't injured. Yeah, exactly that. And I think that he has gears to go. Like he, he can improve. Like the, the, I think the sky is the limit for him. And and while I'm, you know, a bit, I, I don't really like the the idea of comparing him to a Spurs player. I think that having players like the likes of Hyungmin Son, like the players that you know they run past you, they run at you, they run through you. I think having those types of players in your team is so important, and it's part of why Son has scored so many goals for Spurs over the years. And I think the fact that we have that player that is still so young and can still get so much better. I generally think that this guy could be one of the leading direct goal scoring wingers in football. And, um, uh, and I'm, you know, I think this season, you know, if he was, if he was to get 20 goals in the Premier this season, it wouldn't surprise me. I think, yeah, I think, 
sorry. I was just going to say, I think that the, the, the major difference is, you know, we've had talented wingers before, but when you look at someone like Nicolas Pepe, when it comes to 1v1, he was fine. It's just, as you touched on before, the amount of defensive work he gets through as well, which is so crucial to us winning the ball high up the pitch and allowing him to burst into transition again. But him and Saka on the either side just get through so much work. It was so evident, I think, Saka, um, he ran like 60 yards in the first half to cover for Thomas Partey um, in a breakaway. And Martinelli was winning the ball back sort of a third of the way inside Forest's own half after losing it. And it's just, it makes such a difference because it gets the fans... Well, as soon as as soon as you see your wingers tracking back, the fans get behind it as well. You know, it's, it's such a traditionally it's such a rare thing to see. Obviously, it's becoming more common now, but it's it's so refreshing to see from both Martinelli and Saka, and it just means that we as soon as you as soon as we lose the ball, you have five players rather than three players suddenly running at this person with the ball, or if they pass it to the next person, you then just change direction. It's like a it's like a swarm of bees sort of following around whoever's got the ball and it's really nice it's really you know it's really enjoyable to see because wingers aren't always judged on their defensive contributions as you say you know goal scoring and getting assists but it's one of the most underrated attributes of both of them I think in this Arsenal side yeah and I think Gabriel Martinelli is unique in this team in the sense that he probably is the only just pure goal scorer if that makes sense where other than, you know, Bakayasaka, he's going to have 10-plus assists. Gabriel Jesus, Martin Odegaard, all, everybody's going to have, not everybody, but all are more, look, I guess, creative with the ball from uh, setting up players and will likely have a, a good number of assists this season. But Martinelli is get ball, see ball, score goal kind of player. And obviously he had an assist in this match, so it's kind of funny to say, but... I think he is probably one of the player, one of the only players in this team that I could realistically see have like a most a lot type season, thirty goals, twenty five plus goals, something like that. Where yeah, it would be insane, but you could see it coming if that makes sense. Ben, let's talk about his assists. Obvious, I, I think it's pretty obvious that he did not necessarily mean to do that, but it was pretty damn beautiful nonetheless. Yeah, um, yeah, I mean, fantastic. It's it's so it's like one of those things that gets fans off their seats isn't it just that moment of magic to burst through two defenders i think i don't know if any of you watched the uh df D, DB, dfb um super cup the bayern uh, leipzig game yesterday but danny Ulmer has something very similar uh where he scored and i think what was the most satisfying part about it was that it got the finish it deserved as well from eddie like when when you see someone do a bit of skill you just hope that afterwards there's a finish so that you can clip it and say this was amazing and not this was completely pointless because we lost the ball immediately or you know someone blazed over or Thomas Party shot from 40 yards or whatever so it was really nice to see like I don't know it was I, I just really enjoyed watching Eddie find the back of the net because I think he deserves it and also the bit of skill from Martinelli just to really add the icing to the cake of that goal yeah, I thought all around it was is fantastic, and from an attacking point of view, it's, that first half was just great to watch and such a great reminder of how this team, how good this team can be, and what we have to look forward to the rest of this season. There's going to be obviously a lot of roller coasters, a lot of very difficult matchups, and 
the return to the Champions League is going to present some interesting problems for the squad, but uh, I'm really excited. I, I can't wait to see where we can go with this team, how high, how many, you know, all the goals are going to score and, and all the games are going to win. It's going to be great. And we will be there all along the way. I think that's a good play, good place for us to wrap things up. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode and we'll be back later next week to preview our matchup against Palace. My name is Justin. You can find me on Twitter at JFishAFC. You can find Luke on Twitter at Eccleckoon and Ben at Ben Browning3. Catch you guys later. Odegaard is joining in and he's seen Martinelli! Extraordinary! Set it for Saliba! For Kyle Saka! Oh, Saka. Oh,